Smarties, you've asked where I'm answering today. You love when Steph shares all the goodies, all the games that she uses. As our resident game guru, Steph is bringing us executive functioning skills games today. This is one of those episodes that is chock full of useful goodies and tips to make skill strengthening fun and engaging both at home for the family and in session with educational therapists. If you are on our email list, you have already received today's freebie which is all these episodes with good Amazon links to them so that you can go ahead and just pick the ones that work best for you. We've categorized them and made it really nice. If you are not on our email list, what are you waiting for? Go to our website, www.learnsmarterpodcast.com and sign up. And you can also go specifically and sign up on this episode and you will get that freebie for today. So enjoy. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer you have to learn smarter the educational therapy podcast hi smarties welcome to episode 262 of learn smarter the educational therapy podcast i'm stephanie pitts and i'm rachel cat and it's amazing how that rolls off my tongue now and it used to be so hard to say Practice makes progress. Makes automaticity. Exactly. So, Steph, we're doing games again today, and we should say that we've linked previous games episodes in the show notes to this episode. So if you are newer here and you want to hear those other episodes, just scroll through the show notes and it'll be there. But our audience loves this, loves these episodes, and it can take a second for us slash you to compile it. So this is one of those ones that takes a little more thinking, right? It was more about sitting down and actually doing it. I had a feeling it was like assigning time for it. Yes. So we are going to roll through several different aspects of executive functioning skills and talk about some games that work really great for certain skill sets. And there's some that even though we've categorized it as like one EF skill set, it can be used in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. So we invite creativity and openness when thinking about this. But Steph, you're the game guru. So share with our audience, why are games so great? Oh, games are so great for so many reasons. First and foremost, I love using games to get a sense of where learners are and to practice the skills that they're struggling with in a way that is comfortable and fun. So I like to say it's a low investment, high return for games, which you will get a lot more out of than throwing a worksheet in front of a kid, number one. Number two, games are great because that's how our brain works. And if you go back to thinking about when you were in preschool, how did you first learn? By playing. Mm -hmm. And most kids, I mean, yes, there are exceptions. Some kids don't like it. But most kids like playing games. And that's the beauty of getting them to buy in so easily. And the other thing is they're such great informal assessment tools. You can get so much information and the kid has no idea. And that's a beautiful on a whole other level because they don't know that they're giving you all this information and you could do so much with it. So who wants to sit down and take one more of those tests? And it's awful (laughs) and exhausting. So here are some things about executive functioning games. We've talked about math games. We've talked about reading games, but we haven't ever really sat down and 
broken them up into here's some games that are going to help specific executive functioning skills that you might be targeting. So the first one I want to talk about is working memory. What do you need working memory for, Rach? So working memory is holding on to things that are important, but for a short period of time. So you're constantly using it and referring back to it, but then it's not something that needs to get stored in long-term memory. So we always use the example of like 9-11 for people in our age range as something that is ingrained in us. It is going to be a long-term memory. Working memory is more akin to hey, I need to hold on to this information because I have to make a decision about this this week. And then once the decision has been made, then you can sort of let it go and you don't need to retain it anymore. In fact, I just emailed you, Steph, an example of working memory because I potentially want to upgrade our phones and I wanted to ask you if what I was being offered was a good idea or not. Mm. But once you give me some feedback and I talk it over on our end over here, I don't need to know all these details of it, right? I just need that information for the decision-making process. So the here and the now. So, okay. A couple of games. There's one called Sushi Go. I love Sushi Go so much. Right? It's so fun. Yeah. Do you remember when we went to Palm Springs for our working weekend? Way back when we were trying to record the first episode of the podcast. I remember trying to record. I brought Sushi Go. Sushi Go is so fun because you don't, this is especially good for kids that like, that are really rigid and like to have their cards that the way they like them because everybody shares cards. And this is mind-blowing to a lot of kids. But basically, what you have to do is you have to go back and forth with cards. You switch cards every time you play. You need to hold information in your brain to make educated decisions for your next few moves. Mm -hmm. That is very good for working memory. And it's so fun. And it's fast. It's so fast. And the whole family can play, which is great. The next one is Ticket to Ride which is another really great game. I particularly like Ticket to Ride Junior, even though I play with older kids or adults even, because it's so easy and it's not in-depth and it's not as time-consuming. But basically, you have to create these routes with trains and go across the country. And you have to be paying attention to more than one route at a time. So kids often pick one thing to pay attention to and forget about the others. And so this is practicing when you're having to read two books at once. How many times have you had parents or somebody have said, I don't want to read that book because I'm reading this other book? (laughs) Well, you need to hold the information in your brain more than one thing at a time. So Ticket to Ride is great. And the little trains are fun. The next one is Blockus. Blockus is a really great game. Up to four people, I think, can play. But I really love playing just two people. Because you have to take on all four sides of this block have to be going on at once. And if there's two players, then two people do it. Two of them at once. Inevitably, every single time, one color does better than another. So you get assigned two colors and one of the colors you do better at because you're paying attention to it more than the other. So this is a great way to teach kids about paying attention to more than one thing at once. The next thing, planning and prioritizing. Why is that important, Rach? 
Well, I think we've talked about that a lot because our learners really struggle with this. If they're struggling with executive functioning skills, they will, first of all, forget the planning stage entirely and just jump in yeah. head first. But second, they really struggle with prioritizing what's important. And even if they know what's important, avoidance is real. And we've talked about that in other episodes for learners who struggle with executive functioning skills. So what games can we offer to play and strengthen those skills? Okay. So one of our favorites is Dr. Eureka. Love a good Dr. Eureka. And we like playing it on our phones. Too. Oh, There's for sure. Version. It's so fun. Dr. Eureka and Square Up are two really great games for this. The other ones I want to mention are Cupcake Academy and the Tetris board game are also really fun or just Tetris in general. Uh-huh. But you have to plan and you have to prioritize. You are going to see what happens next if you're familiar with Tetris. You need to know what's coming up in order to make an informed decision right now. So you need to plan. With Square Up, it's one of those games that I play and a lot of kids don't have a strategy when they come in and they don't do very well. And then when I ask them what their strategy was, they tell me they don't have one. Once they come up with a strategy, they end up doing really well and sometimes can beat me, which is amazing. I don't play easy, just by the way. (laughs) So the other one, Dr. Eureka, is a really fun game. We play it on our phones, so there's that version. There's also the physical version where you're planning how you're going to line up different colors and things. Definitely have to plan. You have to prioritize how you're going to attack the problem. So the next one is setting goals. Goal setting is a really important topic that we talk about because oftentimes because our learners struggle with planning and prioritizing, they'll set these like big, huge, lofty goals and not understand all the little pieces that need to go into it. By the way, when I'm talking, I'm like thinking of myself with a lot of this stuff because like <laughs> we've talked about on the podcast about how I will jump in head first and yes, which is why I have you <laughs> and I email you and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm being offered. Yes or no. Yeah. Before <laughs> making decisions because looks good to me, yeah, fair. you know, Steph solves my little problems in life that I don't know how to solve. And this is one of them. So that's why we talk about goal setting because we want to have realistic goals set so that our learners are experiencing success. Yeah, for sure. And so let's just talk about a game that everybody knows, Clue. Mm. Clue is a really great game. And most recently they came out with a version where you can play with just two players, which you couldn't do before. Ah. And it involves putting cards on corners and whatnot as a fake player, basically. But what it does, you have to set the goal. Which room are you going to go to? Which weapon do you need to choose in order to fulfill what you're missing in order to figure out the answer? Really good game. And everybody loves Clue. I mean, right? So that's a really fun one. There's a couple of other ones that are similar, but there's a lot of games. These are just some that I happen to like. Exploding Kittens, another one of those games where you don't have to pick up a card every time, so you have to plan. Mm. What I love about this is that you are giving games that probably a lot of people already have. Exactly. They're popular. Mm -hmm. The other one is Hasty Baker, which you might not know about, but that is a really fun, faster game where you have to get cards and create recipes with the cards. It's a fun one. It's easy and the kids like it. Those are a couple, but I promise you, you can take pretty much any game and have them set some goals, whether that's within the game or within life or within homework that day while playing a game. You can do a lot of things with setting goals. So the next one is organizing. Pretty self-explanatory. The learners that we work with 
who struggle with executive functioning skills often don't know what they need or where to find it, Mm -hmm. which is why one of the first things they do in both of our practices is figure that out because it's the foundation it's the baseline for everything else. But Steph, what games do you have for organization? Okay. So I really like Quirkle. I really like dog and cat crimes and I really like roller coaster challenge. Okay. I'm going to take roller coaster challenge and explain it a little bit. It's a game by Think Fun. And basically what ends up happening is you have to use these cards. Think Fun, if you want to sponsor us, we're available. Yeah, right? Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com. Exactly. Basically, you have to build a roller coaster, literally a roller coaster with like a little magnet ball that goes down. Mm-hmm. The thing about roller coaster challenge is they'll give you some pieces that you have to already set up and then they'll give you a card and say, here are the things you need to add to create and complete the roller coaster. Here's what inevitably happens every time. The kids will focus on one part and try to figure out and make it work, even when it doesn't actually look like it's going to work. So the number one thing that I have to have them do when we start one of these is they need to take out all the pieces that they're going to need first. Then that changes how they approach it every single time. Think about it. If you're running all over the house, wasting time trying to find all the things that you need rather than gathering them, organizing them, and knowing what you need to do with what in order to accomplish the goal, makes it much easier. So inevitably, they know that I'm going to say you can't start until you have all the pieces out that you're going to need. And that is very helpful for them. Mm. And then talking to them about it. It's huge to talk about those things and why they are helpful. So the last one we're going to talk about is goal-directed persistence which is one of my favorites because Peg Dawson said she admired my goal-directed persistence once. That episode, which we'll also link in the show notes, is also why we call it executive functioning skills, not just executive functioning. Uh That episode had a big impact on our language, but you tell us. So this is not giving up, Yeah. right? That's basically what it is. You have a goal, you've set a goal, and you are going to persist until you reach not just the end of the goal, but maybe many goals throughout the bigger goal. This is why we set goals. So when we're talking about Peg Dawson, my goal was to have her on the podcast and I didn't give up. Mm -hmm. No, you did not. That was a courtship. Yes, it was. And it worked. Uh Okay. So let's talk about my all-time favorite game. You've heard me talk about it before. My all-time favorite game is Rush Hour. Rush Hour can be used for a lot of different executive functioning skills, but I put it under goal-directed persistence because when it gets hard, a lot of people want to quit. And that's what I don't want to have happen. It's working through setting those goals and planning and prioritizing and all of the things that executive functioning skills that we need in life to get through each challenge in rush hour. And if you don't remember, it's the parking lot game where you have to get the car out of the parking lot. It's like a big valet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's that. There's also doing Sudoku or Color Coup, which is just the color version of Sudoku, which I love. Not Rachel's favorite, but I love. It's harder for kids with visual discrimination to do Sudoku and Color Coup, which, okay, fair enough. That's me. It's me. It's hard to differentiate those things. I like Sudoku, though. That is easier for me. Ah, interesting. And for some people, colors are easier than numbers. That's a very easy way to... They have little dude Sudoku that you can find online. It's fantastic with shapes and animals and things like that. And then the last one is actually a game called Quarto. 
Quarto is <laughs> a little bit like Connect Four, a little bit like Checkers-ish, a little bit like, I don't know, a lot of things. But basically, you have to think about things in a completely different way and you have to assign the next piece to your opponent. And you have to have a goal. You have to know and break it down and like know that you're not going to give up. And it's actually really fun, but it's really hard. You have to keep working memory. That one's all over the place. can do a lot of things, but it can be really fun. So just throwing out a few of them. But those are some games that I definitely think came to mind as most people like them. A lot of people already own a lot of them or familiar with them or some version of them if you want to look at the link. And remember, you can have kids do this. Some of them are on their own. Some of them they can play with their siblings or as a family. Or if you're an ed therapist, you can do these in session. And they are wonderful tools. This is really where the skill set of an educational therapist, which is to analyze the task and to understand what are the deeper skills that are being worked on and addressed within each task is really, really significant. But I love the way that it's been broken down because Steph, you did that work for our audience and we are excited to hear which games y'all are playing. And if there's one that I haven't heard of, please tell me. Oh, she will be excited. So yeah, if you're on our email list, like I said, in the opening, you've already gotten a copy of all the games that were mentioned today. And you can always hit reply to that email and it does come to Steph and I, and we do respond to every email. So we are excited to hear from you guys about which games were new to you and which games you're having fun with at home and in session. Have a great week. Smarties. Have a great week. 